Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss political hot topics throughout the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We're your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we're recording this episode of NV Politics on June 28th, 2023. So let's get into it. God, it's already the end of June. Oof. It is. Apparently the summer solstice has come and gone. It doesn't feel like summer, though, so that's that's nice, at least. No, it doesn't. It keeps <laughs> raining, and yeah. I've had plans to have a day at the lake for the entire month and have not been successful due to the weather, which is wild, but I'll, I'll take the rain. It's good. The days at the lake were... Everyone, I think, has been doing it wrong because we all knew what they were going to be, and no one's actually doing it because the ski resorts are still open. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. One day, one day I'll ski somewhere up here in northern Nevada. Uh, okay, so we have just two topics today. We are going to Not spend, too much. Yeah, no, not, not too crazy with the uh, legislature all out of session. We've got some other fun topics For now, we're going to get dun, into. Dun. I know, until there's a special session called... So we're going to talk a little bit about financial stress in the state of Nevada and marijuana consumption lounges. But before we get into those main topics, we are going to let Tim do our rehash where he is going to use his favorite F word, which is the A stadium. And he says it's going to be brief, but I don't believe him. We'll I mean, see. Hey. Hey, I woke up to some great news today, pretty much, that the stadium relocation has been not halted, but uh, slowed down substantially, if you will. The Nevada Independent reported that the San Francisco Chronicle cited multiple economists and architects and other baseball-related people. Real economists? (laughs) Hey, you know... Says economic experts, so they could be real ones. Anyone they could be fake can be ones. an expert. I'm holding air quotes. Expert. Yeah, I, I, I tend to believe at least the architects. Okay, they, they, I give a lot of the, the, the water to. My dad uh, would appreciate that. He was going to yeah. be an architect. Well, my, my grandfather is an architect, so he's perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, he. I don't know if he has a way of listening to the podcast, but. Uh, well, we are on more platforms now. He did get new <laughs> hearing aids, too. So from what I understand, he can hear pretty much everything. Uh, there um, it is. With that being said, back to the A Stadium. <laughs> All of them say that the land allocated in the bill is not enough to build the proposed stadium. Mind you. Woo-hoo! <laughs> this stadium is also proposed to be the smallest stadium in baseball. The and, smallest. <laughs> and there still ain't enough land for it or something. Or at least, to quote some architects from Chicago, anything uh, anything below 14 or 15 acres requires out-of-the-box thinking, and we allocated nine acres. Wait, so, is this... Okay. So I'm thinking of the... God, what's it? The Raider Stadium. I don't know what it's called. Allegiant. But, is it Allegiant? Okay. Yeah. So I, they don't have a parking lot, supposedly? Oh, God, no. No. So is that 
what they were trying to do with the A Stadium, like just have a smaller plot of land and nowhere to park and hoping that that would work. Okay, so I and I'm not a full expert on this, but my understanding is is they're taking the Tropicana plot of land and dividing it into three sections. Okay. The A Stadium was going to get a third of that. Oh. And then the other two thirds were going to go to some community projects or possible parking or things like that. Okay. When I look up the acreage of Allegiant Stadium, it comes up to be 62 acres. Okay. Put that if I'm honest, con- that means nothing to me. <laughs> so, well, no, no, no. Okay. So this is what it needs. It means it needs to mean. Allegiant Stadium took up 62 acres. Okay. Okay. The whole Tropicana plot is uh-huh. 35 acres. Oh. And the stadium is being allocated nine acres. Oh, that's real tight. Now you are, yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, I get You don't understand what yeah. the 62 acres means because no. I don't either. Like, yeah. I'm right there with you. But put it into context of mm-hmm. the Tropicana, like the whole Tropicana is, you know, 35 acres. Okay. Yeah, that's much more helpful. It It's realistic for maybe like a college stadium or like a minor league stadium. Okay, here, here, here. Hold on, hold on. Let's look up <laughs> the acreage of the Reno Aces stadium. There's there's like an actual thing of context for us. I was just there, um, you know, four days ago. So this, this will be very relevant. Okay, Greater Nevada Field. We're just going off mm-hmm. of Wikipedia mm-hmm. for this. So, sure, sure. You take, know. It, take it with a grain of salt. Exactly, exactly. It's a 10,000-person stadium. Okay. And the A's stadium is proposed to be a 30,000 stadium with a retractable roof. That's going to be tough. Yeah, and that's that's the thing where it, it just the size, it's not, it, it doesn't make sense. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, so that's the rehash. All right. Uh, maybe no A Stadium. My my brief theory is that maybe um, some people were willing to put the bill forward knowing this and kind of knowing the math didn't quite work out, but they were willing to take the <coughs> contributions and <laughs> willing to work with certain donors to get it passed anyway. Oh, yeah. maybe. Well, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe that's just crazy talk. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Well, all right. We're going to move into our main topic. Uh, The rent's too dang high. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's definitely part of it for sure. So the RGJ uh, shared an article on June 26th that lists Nevada as the second highest state in the nation for financial stress. And so where this came from was USA Today did an analysis of U.S. Census Bureau data and discovered that 54% of Nevada residents reported being very stressed by price increases due to inflation, the second highest after Mississippi. Uh, There is a line that shares that Mississippi and Nevada have been neck and neck at or near the bottom of state rankings for, you might have guessed it, education, financial literacy, child welfare, and health care 
interesting topics that we talk about pretty often, Tim. Yeah. Uh, They gave a couple of additional stats specific to Nevada, which was only 3% of Nevadans say rising prices have caused them no additional financial stress. So only 3% of Nevadans are not stressed financially. Nevadans aged 40 to 54 report the highest levels of financial stress of any age bracket. And... Hispanic and black communities report the highest levels of financial stress, which would make sense because their wage is generally statistically lower than um, that of their white counterparts. So, well, I go ahead. I mean, I was even before I wanted to come in with numbers like you, you just sparked some things here of Mm -hmm. let's look at, you know, maybe there's a couple of reasons why our state is so low beyond what you said of, of those reasons. Cause those reasons play into something very key that I was recently watching could yeah. be wrong, could be a self-fulfilling prophecy here. But when you look at how a lot of the towns in Nevada were founded, they weren't meant to be well off or well-established meccas. Even Vegas itself, the largest town in our mm-hmm. state was meant to be a transient town in support of the gold rush and in yeah. support of mining populations. Mm-hmm. It was it only became a large resort town in the 50s and the 60s. And even then, it's being supported by a resort or a, um, a service worker industry. It's not yeah. necessarily being supported by higher level industries or higher level jobs. It's not like you don't, you don't get rich working in a hotel. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, like you build a great pension working at a car factory mm-hmm. eventually. Like that was one of those things, but you didn't get that working in a resort in Vegas as well. You get, you got probably got some of it, but there's this disparity. So already we're, we're kind of at a disadvantage when you look at how our economy is designed. We're already mm-hmm. not paying people as much, but yeah. now... The other thing, I wish I had the source for this. I think it was Vox. It could have been from another news source. But there is more economic analysis coming out now. And this is in general. This isn't in Nevada, but this still plays into it. About the general sentiments of the economy and more or less how they feel their money can be spent and their feelings about things. And normally, economists see the bottom like 40% of the tax bracket are feeling just, they, they feel some despair in times like this or okay. in times of looming recession uh-huh. of what all the economists have been talking about forever. Now, those Two are the years. populations that always feel uncertain. Yeah. Okay. And that's what they expect. Economists now are seeing that wealth gap be about the bottom 60 to 65% of those with money. So similar to what we were seeing with Nevada of just 54% of people, mm-hmm. like I don't know how, because the wealth gaps, it's not an exact curve. So the bottom 40%, yeah. they're not making like it's the bottom 40% wealth wise is actually like the bottom 60 or 70% of people. So, yes, correct. but it, it comes down to when you see 60% of the wealth gap are feeling uncertain what that equates to like 75 80% of everyone are feeling 
uncertain about their sure. money. Yeah. We are in very strange economic times. Now yes. I cut you off a little bit, so I'll let you talk before I get into the numbers. No, you're great. I think that's right on. There's an interesting point that was mentioned in this article that was tied specifically to education. And what it's shared was that they found that 31% of people with a college degree felt very stressed financially, while that jumped to 56% for those with a high school diploma and 63% without a high school diploma, right? You were talking about how Nevada is, it truly is a service uh, service-oriented state. That is truly what drives yep. our economy. And when you think about it, most of those jobs don't require a college education. And so it would make sense that because, you know, our education is, is lower for our state, as we've discussed so many times, that we are, as Nevadans, feeling a lot more pressure around yeah, this financial uncertainty. We're only now diversifying our economy to an economy that does start to require certifications or some things. And mm -hmm. those certifications mm -hmm. aren't even high school diplomas or college degrees. We're talking trade school certifications. We're yeah. talking, you know, uh, uh, hey, CDLs and things like that, you know, like it, weirder certifications, but certifications nonetheless that require training, require skill. They require effort. They require mm -hmm. people to work for them to get. They're not... Yeah you can't just sign up for them. So we're just now getting to that type of economy within the last 10 years. Like we're just getting to mm -hmm. that diversification. It's so mm -hmm. we're having to catch up on this on top of what we've talked about in prior episodes, the mindset around education, where we just don't think we need to spend more on educating because we're doing so well with what we're doing, but we're not <laughs> doing well enough. Yeah, just because we are doing better doesn't mean that that's where we should actually yep. be, right? Yeah, our teachers are doing great things, but yes, they can do more with less students in their classroom. Mm -hmm. Just, more just funding. saying, you know, like yep. 12, 12 students is better than thirty. We look at some of the numbers. Uh, I was reading something. We're just now going to be getting the, the Nevada raise to our minimum wage. We're just now getting it up to like what 10, 10 25 or ten seventy five. Oh, or I didn't it see is. this. Yeah, I think it was it was uh, something today where like that next constitutional raise is finally triggering. Okay. Soon, and it's great. But then we're right back to what we're talking about here of our states doing financially the worst. While you're looking that up, uh, our ten twenty five uh, an hour. Yeah, t so ten twenty five. The average cost of living on the West Coast, and this was as of two years ago, and this is the number that I just keep going back to, was just shy of 70K. Mm -hmm. And that isn't... It, the, the reason why I use the cost of living number, because that isn't the average salary. That's not how much the person's making, but that is how much, if the person is paying all of their bills. That's how much it, it costs to live. It caught, yeah, they, yeah, that's their bill total at the end of the year, which means that's a person making $35 an hour. Mm -hmm. Our minimum wage just got up to ten twenty five. No shit people are feeling bad. I'm, I'm seeing videos on the prices of house and the price of housing and like mm -hmm. people are now finally doing the economic analysis to show these old boomers that, Hey, when you bought your house 50 years ago, it cost a hundred K. Right. And that you were making two, you were making 200 K 
or like you were making 20K. That was your annual salary. Sure, yeah. When you do the math, that means that you're paying off your house in 10 years if you're using like half of your income or something like that. Now a house costs 70 to 90K and oh, yet no, the average... You mean 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 700 to 900K. Yeah, I, I did say that wrong. But the average person's making 35 to 40K a year. Yeah. Then I believe the Nevada median income is $35,000 a year. Okay. Um, our, I believe the Nevada housing, uh, I might only be speaking for Northern Nevada, but it is. I want to say between five fifty and six hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So the the price of a house has gone up six times, mm-hmm. but income has only doubled. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, it's called wage stagnation, and that, to your point, is what some, some of the older generation does not. There's they have, wage. They have not experienced. It's not just wage wage stagnation though. It's, it's also wage housing inflation too. Housing inflation, mm-hmm. general inflation, yeah, yeah, all, fl- all everything coinciding. We see larger profit margins from businesses mm-hmm. playing into all of mm-hmm. those. Like all of these things are combining and coalescing into this horrible economic situation that we are finding ourselves in. More and more people are feeling it, and yeah. Well, I think this is a perfect time to segue a little bit so (laughs) (laughs) to to quote one of our co-workers who will listen to this episode yes he will but before we say it i just want to say this so there were some suggested solutions at the bottom of this article to help relieve financial stress and i'm now curious (laughs) please um pay off your debt (laughs) What? What? Uh huh. Um, yeah. Save money. You know uh, the recommended amount is for, ten to fifteen percent. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm just going to call you on this right now. You should have saved this for your broke the brain. Because like the is the, are these satirical suggestions? So or are these real suggestions? It, these were really in the article, and I just thought it was so funny. Uh, they also suggested putting away. Half of your merit increase annually into savings to help. So these were just a couple. That's if you get a merit increase in this economy. (laughs) Yeah, and many companies didn't give them. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I've seen companies like mine and others included like pull benefits left, right, and sideways over the years because of differing times or struggles or just changes somewhere. Like. I, I know that there are companies that don't give merit bonuses anymore. Like, yep, that's real. So uh, since the pandemic, no, so, even before the pandemic, oh. there were companies that were cutting them before. Well, they like, suck. That's the thing. I, <laughs> it's it's really bad, and it's like, oh my god. So if you want to talk about how you might actually deal with the stress, um. Maybe you do this a little different, as one of our friends suggested. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some good news today, Nevadans, and that is our next topic: that the approval of cannabis consumption lounges has officially occurred in the state of Nevada. <laughs> so, if you want to blow off some steam, you can soon. In well, we'll talk about that. 
at some point when they're built, uh, since these licenses have been given out, then you can go do that at a cannabis consumption lounge. But here's and some I'll more. be the buzzkill today and tell you all the problems with it. <laughs> Because <laughs> there are quite a few of them. You're only going to get three lounges. There's only one in northern Nevada. Yep. <laughs> and there are a right. lot of stipulations. <laughs> there sure are. So the Review Journal shared an article on June 20th. Oh, I'm that- not using an article. I'm using the law. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you bring the law. I'm just sharing what was posted here. So just last week, Nevada regulators approved the first of three cannabis consumption lounges. And to Tim's point, two locations will be in Clark County and one will be in Washoe County. So the licensees must receive approval through their local jurisdictions. This is what I assume Tim's going to get into and undergo a final inspection before opening. So there are no opening dates yet. The approval process can apparently take several months. And so this is this is going to be a whole ordeal. So I guess before we get into all the nitty-gritty, though, Tim, what the hell is a cannabis consumption lounge? Well, and, and this is where I want to give some credit to the person who kind of directed me into looking into this issue and actually getting more educated into this. Nice. And I wish I knew their name, but... I'm more doing this shout out to talk about the importance of cold calls on campaigns. Mm. One of my cold calls was to a lawyer who happens to be a cannabis lawyer who is now stationed out of Arizona and kind of gave me some rundowns on some of the problems that allowed me to dive in more and understand some of the issues. Okay, cool. With that being said, a cannabis consumption lounge is, there are two types, but in general, it's defined as a closed place of business outside of the view of public, which is a key point for (laughs) the Washoe County one, as some quotes have come out, but it can't be within sight of public or where consumption can be seen by the public, and where single-use, and I'm messing up some of the terms, but like single-use cannabis can be sold and used strictly on the premises. Okay. There are two types. There's the independent and a recreational. An independent is a lounge that is not attached or adjacent to an established cannabis business. Like a dispensary? Uh, Correct. A recreational one would be adjacent or attached. That is, it's important because of the types of licenses that have to be administered to both and other stipulations. Yeah. Nevada being an old taboo state, and this is what the lawyer kind of pointed out to me, is a lot of the policies are intended to shoot ourselves in the foot because we want to say, yeah, we allow marijuana, Mm -hmm. but we don't actually want to allow marijuana. A lot of our Republican lawmakers want to say, well, yeah, you you can smoke it, but like they don't really want you to smoke it, if that makes sense. So... There's a lot of restrictions on how many licenses of each type of business can go out. If they're going to administer the licenses, how many licenses have to be given to diversity or like diversity and equity applicants. You know, there's heavy restrictions on what can be used there, what can be sold there, how it's regulated, what's being regulated. Yet at the same time, and to your point, you go outside of the state of Nevada and people will openly roll up and smoke in the street because in a crowd, it's hard to identify who's smoking. I mean, and, uh, if you walk down the strip at all in Vegas, it's just, 
clouds of uh, it, marijuana smoke. And and I haven't I haven't walked down the strip recently, so this might be where I I have some some time problems underneath me because the last time I was I think it was 2018, uh. and when I went to or no it was 2017. So it was just legalized then. 2018, I was in Louisiana where it was still heavily illegal. Mm. And walking through the streets of Louisiana smelled way more. <laughs> like, I, I was surprised than I'd ever smelt here. Even walking <laughs> through Reno. Maybe I don't walk through Reno enough, but I don't smell it a lot here. And yeah. it's I, the idea of a lounge is to give those who don't have somewhere to smoke somewhere to smoke. Yeah. Like safely and legally. Yeah, safely. I, th- I think that's the key, you know. I, it's weird. Okay, so I am a true Nevadan, okay. It wasn't until just a few years ago that I was out traveling somewhere, I think, with Danette. And um, I didn't know you couldn't walk around with an open container of alcohol on the street. Because <laughs> that's yeah. legal here in Nevada, at least in Vegas, it is. And yeah, it's, so, it's in Vegas, not in Reno. Yeah, though. It's yeah one in, of those things. in Vegas, yeah. it, it yes. is. And so she was like, um, you can't do that here. And so, you know, to come from that and knowing that it's uh, places like Vegas have been so open and then we're saying, okay, well, recreational use of marijuana is legal but you can't do it out in the public. It's it's so different, right, from just alcohol in comparison. And then now saying, okay, well, we want to give people a space because clearly they're just going to do it anyway. It's the strip. Why are people going to Las Vegas if not to commit debauchery, okay, yeah. you know? And so it's going to happen. Uh, hey, Vegas so- <laughs> tried to turn themselves into a family city in the 90s, okay? They did, and it was so cool, and I was a kid in the 90s. <laughs> Look what happened to me. I, I only know that because I watched a documentary recently. Okay, you child. Um, so, yeah, so the purpose apparently is to provide a safe place to consume marijuana. And, yeah, I, I guess that's all I get. I, I, I guess I'm assuming it's just going to, I'm imagining what these places are like because I've never been to Amsterdam. Um, I'm thinking it's like a cool bar vibe, but a lot more chill. <laughs> and and this is where it's like, I I don't know, because from everything that I understand of Amsterdam, because I've never been there either, mm-hmm. but they describe them as literal coffee shops. Right. Which to me gives the idea of like, oh, you can go in and like, you know, get, you know, a coffee and marijuana. And the way that... <laughs> The law reads, because they do allow for the sale of food, but the way that it reads, the way that, like, you have to do it. For here in Nevada? Yes, for here Uh in Nevada, Uh is it has to be food that is sold in a way that can't be thought of actually or, like, perceived to be used in conjunction with the consumption of the marijuana on the premises, because what does that are, mean? So it, it has to do with the fact of there are whole separate laws and regulations put in place in the state of Nevada around these lounges selling edibles. 
So if they are to sell single-use edibles, they have to have a, a certified licensed chef on the premises during mm. when the edibles are being sold to help prepare their like strict regulations on how they have to be prepared, how they have to be packaged, the THC requirements per the individual package. It, all of that plays into it. So with that being said, it has to be to where like you're selling a can of Coke but it, it can't like, and this is where I get confused because I don't know and you how. Mean, you mean Coca Cola? Yeah, like can... a can of Coca Cola, <laughs> and like a tincture of marijuana. They would have to be in like a sealed can of Coke and a sealed tincture, so that you can't like put the tincture in the Coke, or you can't sell the tincture in conjunction with the Coke because you you can't allow your customer to do the food mixing. The food oh, has to be intended to be solely separate from the consumption. So can they have like two separate windows? Like, you know, you walk up to your window I, to buy your edible like, and then you go to like the food window to I don't, get your I don't know. Maybe it was Pepsi? the pea, it, like the pea brain in me when I was reading this law, I was reading it like, good God, it's going to be like a swim a swimming pool concession stand where everything's like overpriced and it's just like crappy gas station food. Cause it's all prepackaged Ooh, yeah. that you can't like, like you can't really in, even consume it with anything but else. But will so they like, care if they're high? <laughs> well, okay. And that's, that's probably the <laughs> argument, but then it comes back to the other stance of you're only attracting those who are the transient people. There is no, like, it's not for non-tourists and the idea. Yeah. It's not for locals. And the idea of Amsterdam. The one up here might be the Washoe County. No, you don't think. So the problems with the Washoe County one is that the owner has already quoted that his proposed location is outside right now. He doesn't have an indoor location. Mm. He says he plans on building one, but right now he was just going to set up an outdoor smoking location. What's the problem with that? It's, isn't that public? Boom. There you go. It's inside (laughs) of the public. Yeah, so it won't work. It won't work. So he won't probably get that passed or it won't get through. Maybe there will be some snafu or he'll be like, no, I'll put up a fence. Like there will be a temporary fence. You won't be able to see it. Like, (laughs) I I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll get around it. Kudos on them. But it's, it's one of those where if, if I'm a local, I can go to the dispensary part of the lounge, like the actual dispensary part, buy marijuana for myself to consume mm-hmm. and bring it home and consume it that day and then, you know, the next week or whenever I mm-hmm. want it to mm-hmm. following days. Mm-hmm. If I go to a lounge, I have to buy the marijuana at the lounge. And use and, it there, And I right? have to consume it at the lounge. Yeah. I can't bring any out mm. already. And then... Probably to go to the lounge, you, I, I don't see a reason why they would charge to get into the lounge, but why would I buy the marijuana there over if I could just get it in bulk at the other place cheaper because it's going to be single use, so I'll have to buy more to get the yeah. same amount. Well, I think probably. you already said like it, it, right? It's It's meant for, well, it's like the same thing as a bar, you know? I think of uh, Death and Taxes right downtown. It's a super cool bar. You, you go in there and I'm not taking any of their drinks home. I'm going to spend way more money, but the experience is cool, you know? And so you know, some people are willing to do that. Maybe, maybe they become 
experienced places. Uh, key thing is you can't serve alcohol at them. Okay. Um, can't combine, can't, huh? Yeah, there can't be the consumption of nicotine, tobacco, or alcohol on the premises mm. at all. I didn't know that. Um, that is part of the stipulate. I only know because I, I've read... God, you found it was, the law. It was like 75 pages today I skimmed prior to this podcast oh just to gosh. understand it all and like <laughs> just pick out the different things. A lot of it was a repetition because I read sure. the cannabis boards, um, the, the regulations that they just approved for mm-hmm. the lounges, and then the laws that led to the regulations. I've read the laws before, so that's why I read those second. I only got halfway yeah, through them. I knew but, this so it can get maybe a bar environment, but when I hear a coffee shop, I think... I mean, all-inclusive, and we, we just seem to really be... It, there's still this huge stigmatization around marijuana, and it's like, why can't we just make... Like, <laughs> if you've got... I mean, hell, there... It's called progress, Tim. It's, well, but it's our state had this whole slow. thing... Like, the... the <laughs> The uh, the wine and spirits distillers, from my understanding or from what I remember, had a huge problem with the legalization of marijuana because they were afraid it was going to cut into their profits. So if you just say, hey, you know those businesses that you are working with that like have the alcohol, like now we're just allowing them to sell marijuana. And if you also want to get in on that and be the courier for that, maybe you can. Like there were ways to make these everyone happy and also get more money for our education system, which is where all these taxes are supposed to be going. Yes, edu- yes. I, you know, I agree they, on this education uh, and the taxes and stuff. But just, here's the they thing. They seem to keep I, shooting themselves in the foot. I don't... I think that it's probably smart to keep them separate, okay? So let's say I'm a tourist. I already have decided in my brain what I'm going to do when I go visit Nevada and I go to Las Vegas and I'm going to party. And if I find a place that allows me just to get wild, right? <laughs> to do it all. Man, I think you could you could just be opening the door to a lot of potential trouble there, you know, cuz people are coming to let loose, you know? And so I think it's smart to start separate. See how that goes and slowly build our way into it. I I more say I get the idea of separate, but you know, like same establishment, different rooms type deal, or two mm-hmm. different like window, like the, uh, I don't know. There's or at least you know the same entity doing the same thing for two different businesses. That's kind of also what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. you could get the the distributors in, and they also be the weed couriers between like sure. the business and the independent, because independents yeah. are required to enter into contract with a local dispensary to get mm-hmm. the product for their lounge. Sure. So like you could you could write it in I'm not a legal person. I'm not a I'm not one You're of our not? Yeah, but I, I'm just thinking I'm like look, there are ways that you could probably please everyone and make it make more sense, but our state just wants to keep that so separate. Yeah, and you know, they only gave out three approvals. So this is just the beginning. Three of twenty. And that's the key thing mm-hmm. that we want to remember is they had 10 licenses available for both the independent and recreational. And I'm pretty sure the three that were given out were all recreational. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's been an independent one because quite frankly, when you break it down, it's almost impossible to make money on an independent lounge. 
you can't sell enough soda. Like, I don't care I how don't know. stoned, I'm just gonna I don't say. Care how stoned <laughs> these people are. Like, you cannot sell enough soda <laughs> to functionally know. run these businesses. <laughs> uh, We're talking salaries some... <laughs> on salaries on salaries with a very low to no profit margin business. <laughs> if they have some great snacks, Tim, I don't know. I, I think they can do it. Listen, if... You're already, I don't smoke weed, so I don't know how far in you go. I can't say a couple drinks, but uh, however many gummies in you are, and maybe you're willing to pay a lot of money for snacks. Maybe when you first arrive, you're like, yeah, I'm not buying these overpriced snacks. But after a couple of gummies, maybe they become worth it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay, I will say yes, but I'm going to give the counterpoint, which is the largest problem for the overall business model. You go there, you buy your three gummies that have little to no profit margin for that lounge. Mm -hmm. And this is a key part of the argument. So that's, I have to make that point. You eat those three gummies, and it, we're going to say that they're fast-acting gummies because gummies take like an hour to two hours to okay. actually kick in. So okay. they're quick. They hit you real fast, okay? Right. You eat them all, hmm. and you're like, damn, I'm really hungry. Mm-hmm. I want better food than what they have here. I'm going to go walk down the street because I'm done. Like, I've consumed everything. <laughs> Why do I stay here? Why am I staying at this point? Why am I buying this shitty swim center food when I can walk down the street and get, I mean, hell, all the, I can drive down the street. Oh, this sign just says I you shouldn't, but I don't have to like. Have you ever been to of, Top Golf? No. Okay. I want to. I really want to. Okay. But it's, it's pretty cool. So. I know. <laughs> it looks so fun. Yeah. So here's what they should do. <laughs> this, this is my expert advice. <laughs> uh, they should charge by the hour and like give you so much that you can consume within an hour. And that would keep you in. So that's, that's where the other problem is, is that with how the state board has it currently regulated and how I read the regulations, so I could be wrong with this, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. from what I read, it's still stipulated based on, they kind of, they cheat a little bit, but they set a limit on the maximum amount that you can sell to a person in a given day. So there's only so much like yeah. physical weed that you yeah. could sell to That's a person mm-hmm. to consume. That's and right. to the point that our coworker made, that's different, like single use. When when I explained to him, like, oh no, no, it's only single use and blah blah blah, he was like, Well, who dictates single use? <laughs> uh the cannabis compliance board dictated yeah. single use, my friend. That's and, also smart. And that's where like they put it forward, but that's different for everyone. So some people will have stellar experiences and some people will be like <laughs> Look, this is I'm not even buying their crappy concession food. I'm out of here. (laughs) Well, this is all new experiences. So I went to Iceland a few years back, and they have the Blue Lagoon there. What is that? It's a hot water spring, basically. Okay. And it's got a bunch of, like, sulfur in it, but it's blue. And you pay to get into it. Probably got some copper. It's super cool. It's hot. It's like a gigantic pool but it's a hot spring and so you swim around in it and they have a swim up bar okay it's awesome you swim up to the bar everyone has to wear a bracelet and they scan it every time 
And they cut you off at three drinks because they look down on people who consume a lot of alcohol in Iceland. And that's cool. You can spend as much time as you want in the Blue Lagoon and you can enjoy the experience, but you're going to have limitations on how much you can consume. And so I'm curious to see how they work through all of this stuff. I think that's awesome. And I think we end this on the counterpoint of remember that we're talking about not only just Nevada, but Las Vegas and like what Las Vegas not only was originally founded on, but the everlasting allure that our state has maintained, which is you can come here, spend as much money as you want and possibly win as much money as you want. But the key thing is (laughs) you can spend as much as you want. (laughs) <laughs> There's not going to be, and, and like, I know that yeah. that sound, I, no, that it I sounds it. horrible. It's, it's how we not make our good, money. but it's, it's, it's literally the fundamental yeah. thought process of our entire state, which is you can come here and do whatever you want because in Vegas, the story is you. Yeah. You are the story. Yeah. And we want to facilitate that. Like, (laughs) that is their whole thing. Yeah. You are the story, and they want to facilitate your story. Like, Vegas was Westworld before Westworld was a TV show. It's it's crazy how that happened. But Mm -hmm. they wanted to give these experiences. They wanted to give this whole, like, you can be whatever you want. And now we're trying to say, ah, but you can only be so much. And, And that's where I'm like, we have to. I, 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 it keeps falling back to the stigma of we, we want to make it legal, but we don't want it to be legal. Yeah. Like, look, I, there, I, there are I, only I, 10 states that have legalized social cannabis consumption. And, uh, I think, I don't know how many of them have actually, op- not all of them have opened like us, right? We've, we've actually yeah. had it legal, um, for a little while, but we hadn't approved anything. And I think California, w- was the very first to open in 2019. So this is still so new and it's going to evolve, I'm sure. But I think it's wise to start with three and let's see what happens. Yeah. I just, I, I want to see the chains loosened a little bit. I think, <laughs> I think our state has the potential for a large amount of money and mm. we see that money in the states that have taken a very, a looser approach to it. Sure. Washington and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Like those are prime examples where, or Colorado even where they, they took the looser approach, but they made sure that they got the money to where it needed to go. And they've seen huge benefits so much. So to where what it didn't go to a baseball stadium, <laughs> didn't go to a baseball stadium, but they, they made it to where hell Oregon had like a surplus that they were trying to like get rid of their marijuana. Cause they had too much because they were like, Oh crap, we overdid it guys. Uh-uh. Like, and, and it was, it's this weird cycle. And then you have our state where we weren't allowing it to be moved in. And if it was moved in, it had to meet certain requirements and for it to be in the state, it had to be touched by eight different people for it to make it to the end product. And it has to meet all these requirements. And like, we just keep putting up barriers and yes, there's the idea of safety and yes, there's the idea of it's new and we have to not, you know, go into uncharted territories, but we can use models that have worked in other States 
yeah. as examples and not have to start so far back like, oh, I don't want to do any. Like, that. that's just my problem. I'm so, we've got money that can be going to the kids and we're not mm-hmm. letting it go to the kids. <laughs> Look, Tim, we're just getting started early on the inevitable bureaucracy that will ensue. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, let's talk about Broke Our Brain, and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, My Broke My Brain was just, I'm, one, all that USA 8 Today stuff of like, how to save your money. That kind of broke my brain earlier. (laughs) That wasn't actually what I was going to talk about. That's just dumb, because they were like, oh, well, hey, you want to be, you want to be certain about your money? Save your money. (laughs) If I don't have money to save, Jack, whatever. Stress that I don't make enough money. Yeah, you should like, save your money. It's like, wow, thanks, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, but like this this whole Russian coup thing was kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I'm here, I'm reading stuff today. I didn't actually get to read the article, but like what his actual plans were. And he like planned on taking some generals captive or something like he had some actual plans. I'm, cr- I, I find it interesting that Putin had to use a third party to dictate a truce with him, which kind of shows how bad the coup actually was happening, like how, how it was progressing so much so to where he couldn't talk with him and he had to use a third party to end it. Yeah. Or like also how he, what is his name? It starts with a P. I forget it. The, the main guy, the leader yeah. of the Wagner group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wagner. Uh, how he's now saying that it was never a coup, but also shot down helicopters from the sky? Why else would you do that? <laughs> well, he he's staying behind the narrative that he had from the beginning, which was it was it stemmed from a long long disagreements with the Russian government over the past couple of months yeah. over like pay or some other things, but more Just recently resources, resources, yeah, think, resources. Right? But more recently he was claiming that the Russian government bombed one of his bases uh, and yeah, like they actually right. fired a missile at one of his bases and he was retaliating because of that. He was like, no, you guys fucking shot me. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. And that's why he was going through. So it wasn't as much a mutiny as it was just like, no, I'm fucking pissed, so I'm going to poke back. Like, you poked me, so I'm going to poke back. And instead of the Russian military being like, okay, fine, we'll fight you, they were like, front door's over there. Keep yeah. going. Like, no, 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 turn, other way, other way. No, 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 turn, turn, there you go, there you go. Like, and that that's what made it worse was how easy he was able to get from point A to right. point B. Mm-hmm. There was no resistance. Not mm-hmm. Maybe it didn't exist. Maybe they just didn't want to resist. But it, to the Ukraine's point, it shows a massive issue in the Russian military um, hierarchy. Yes. So I know this is your broke my brain, but the, <laughs> but the part no, of this... No, I don't... The ahead. part of this that broke my brain... Is that Putin hasn't killed this guy yet? <laughs> like, what do you mean he was like, yeah, you're just exiled, go, you know, stay in that country and n- well, never it's come not back the, here? It's, it's not uh, like. He's gonna get suicided, I think. Um, well, so here. <laughs> He's gonna the get Jeffrey thing. Epstein. <laughs> this, is, this, is how, this is how I understand it, and I could be wrong, but the Belarusian government was the one who brokered the deal. And part of the deal that they brokered was 
the leader of the Wagner group did not want to stay in Russia as a result of this. He was like, no, no, no. I, I had full intent on dying with my troops because he fired on my troops and like, we are pissed. Mm -hmm. We are not going to do this. Mm -hmm. If I'm, if I'm going to stop this, I need to be safe and not be here. So he is, from what I understand, getting, being granted asylum in Belarus by the Belarusian government simply for him to stop. It's not that Putin exiled him because, yeah, you can't come back. It's that part of him stopping his coup was, no, 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 I get asylum in Belarus. Like, I get to survive or you're done. Because it, it, Putin, Putin didn't have the ability to. His military generals had already scrambled to the nine districts. Mm -hmm. That was well reported. He was evacuating Moscow. Like he was not in a, he's not, he wasn't in a position to broker. He, he's been in a position to attack his political ally or his political adversaries in the past in Russia because he had the Russian government behind him. Mm -hmm. And this was an instance where the Russian government more or less from the outside appeared to be in shambles. Yeah. Was it actually? I don't know. Who knows? Like we don't know, but from all the reports I read, like his his military generals, the Russian government weren't there. Like they had all run. Yeah. Yeah. So it's wild. It, I who knows? It's crazy. It's interesting. Will this guy get got in Belarus? I don't know, because yeah. part of it is the Belarus government is working with him. The fact yeah. that Putin went to the Belarus government means they might be in cahoots. So, yeah, yeah. maybe he does get Epstein'd. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, but... It, <sighs> yeah. Well, this is this was a guy who's quoted with saying, "I'm willing to die. I'm I'm prepared to die with my sh right. my troops." Yeah, like he, if it came to him being taken captive or him dying with his troops, he said, "No, no, no. I'm going to die with my troops. I'm not being taken captive. No." Like so, these are he was pissed. Uh huh. It's a brain breaker. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah. All right. So. For Horrible mine. timing, too, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, the Ukraine <laughs> offensive and everything. Okay. Well, I mean, no, you had the, the sub, like, <laughs> the day before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which apparently sorry, they, sorry. they found some remains. But we're not getting into that. That's, this is not part of the Broke My Brain. Okay. So for mine, it mine's quick. It's, it's not this huge thing, but... It's Geopolitical some... problem that's happening in the world right now? <laughs> what? No, it's... What? it's um, <laughs> Uh, American political, just just within our our nation here. Oh, so there's a lot going on here. I know. Okay, so listen, we've got this one. <laughs> Is it Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter account? Because like apparently the fitness videos that she's been posting are just absolutely horrendous no but i will google that later no so <laughs> mine is about robert f kennedy jr okay uh, oh the, i know uh, the Ked or what what are they saying about it not like the testosterone fueled <laughs> like 80 year old or whatever <laughs> like he's just on way too much yeah like, he's uh, an he's an interesting dude so if if you don't know and you're listening to this robert f kennedy jr is he's a kennedy he is a Kennedy and he is running for as a presidential candidate against Biden as a Democrat. And which is just so silly to even try to challenge an incumbent. But uh, he's also a bit of a conspiracy theorist. So he's known to be an anti-vaxxer. He spread actually 
a lot of the misinformation about vaccines leading to autism, which was just disproven so long ago. You know, it was posted by one peer-reviewed journal and then redacted for poor research because they only had like 12 subjects. And the doctors, they apparently received kit backs, you know. And so that was the whole thing. He's He helped spread this anti-vax movement. So he's running against Biden. And his super PAC, this, this is the part that excited me, that broke my brain. His super PAC called Heal the Divide, okay, that's the name, the name of this super PAC, is also the super PAC that supports, you already said it, Tim, Marjorie Taylor Greene, George Santos, and even the more recent candidate, Herschel Walker. So, yeah... This just continues to be, I guess, kind of a joke. Like, why, why is this guy running if not just to troll the Democrats? Here, here's the thing that I'll at least say, because I need to give credit to this, and this is a message that we keep trying to put out on how we need to contact nonpartisan voters. Mm-hmm. Nonpartisan mm-hmm. voters are pissed with these parties. Sure. Because as of right now, statistically, everyone's pretty sure it's going to be Trump versus Biden in 2024. Yes. Do you know how many people are just pissed off about that? Like, okay, but I'm sorry. The choices are fucking Robert Kennedy Jr. or (laughs) I think her name, Mariah Wilkinson, Uh, I think is what her name is. Like, Mm -hmm. there's another one running. I might have given her way more press than she needed, but I, (laughs) like, who knows? With that being said, we don't have viable options. Right. And nonpartisans want choice. They want actual democracy. They want representative democracy. They want the ability to have a candidate who more closely speaks with them. They don't want two parties. They want multiple parties. They want this. Mm -hmm. And that's needed. We need to have presidential primaries. But when the presidential primaries between this guy and Biden... Mm -hmm. uh, No, we don't need a presidential primary. I'm sorry. We need to go with Biden. Yeah. But I get everyone's argument of, no, 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 we need to have choice. Like, there isn't a choice if you say you don't have a presidential primary. And they're right. They're not wrong. If the lack of a primary means you're not not actually giving the people a choice. You as a party are saying, no, 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 Mm -hmm. we want only this person. This is who you're getting. But if we want to engage... Yeah, if we want to engage them, we have to acknowledge the fact of, hey, we need, one, better candidates, but two, better candidates than this guy. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Holy crap. Well, on that note, Tim, take us out. (laughs) Okay, so... I'm excited to announce we are on Apple Music, we are on Spotify, we're on iHeart, Google Podcasts, and one other one. What is it? Amazon. Amazon. We're on some more podcasting streams, networks, things. So we'll have to talk with Bruce. He'll get a shout out in this episode, 19 episodes in. We'll have to try and get him on one (laughs) because he he couldn't get Spotify to work and he he couldn't figure out Apple Music. But hey, we'll, we'll get him on something. Bruce, we did it for you. (laughs) we'll get it out there for everyone like us subscribe us what's the suggestion email hello at nvpoliticspodcast.com gosh what else do we say yeah what do we say Uh, yeah till next week till next time keep keep liking us subscribe rate us 
uh, five all stars. All the things. Share. All the things. You know. Uh, same place <laughs> next week. Okay. Oh, I got it. Bye. 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 <laughs>